Hello and good afternoon to the Brighten Your Light Show. Today is June 11, 2021. Today I have a very special guest in the studio with me, Mr. Brian Cogsdale, as we will hear from him today and not Mr. Bright. Again, welcome to the Brighten Your Light Show as we will attempt to brighten your light with the contents of this podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian Cogdale. Um, I'm a junior at Auburn University. It'll be my first year there, and I'm studying chemistry, the Bachelor's of Arts, and I will be going to pursue a career in pharmacy. So before I studied at Loyola University of New Orleans in New Orleans, um, Louisiana, um, my major was forensic chemistry. So it was a specialization in uh, forensics because what I originally wanted to do is be a forensic scientist. Why did you stop? Uh, I stopped due to uh, various multiple reasons. One, I had to transfer home um, because of my mother. Um, She had some personal uh, immediate issues going on and I needed to be there to support her. And also, I wanted to advance my education and I felt that going to Auburn, I would be able to do that. I think you made a good decision. Thank you. Would you recommend that to anyone else that is going through those trying times? Transferring... um, I would say I would do a lot of research about it because you never know if your tra- your credits are going to transfer, nor if that particular college has your major, um, or if like if you like me, where you had a specialized major, if it's going to actually um, transfer over correctly, or if they're going to even recognize it as a major. Would you ever want to go back and do forensic science again? I would. Um, specifically, I wouldn't want to go on and do toxicology. That's really why I'm kind of split between pharmacology and toxicology because they're in the same branch, but they're doing two specific things with um, drugs and pharmaceuticals and chemicals. So a toxicologist... You have various fields of it. You have a clinical toxicologist, you have a forensic toxicologist, and then you have an environmental toxicologist. What I wanted to specifically do was forensic toxicology. And so what a forensic toxicologist does, they work in a laboratory environment where they take um, samples of chemicals or drugs and they use certain methods in order to determine whether it's harmful to the body or where it came from or just what's going on. So I originally wanted to do toxicology because I see myself more as a person who doesn't necessarily like to interact with people that much and also I thrived in like a lab environment and that's where toxicology mostly takes place in in a lab and then I decided to change to pharmacy because 
of previous experience where I have um, internships at Mercer University's Pharmacology of Scholars um, program. And I thought it was really interesting. Now I'll take a couple of questions. Well, I have a question for you, Mr. Cogdell. Which field is most important to you, being a chemist or a toxicologist? Which field is most important to me? Yes. I would say being a chemist because being a chemist comes first before becoming a toxicologist. And I say that because chemistry is, you know, one of the natural sciences. So in order to do toxicology, you have to understand chemistry. Uh, what, as well as the unjunct courses such as biology and physics and just mathematics as well. So do your counterparts that may not look like you? Do I fit in well with my counterparts who don't look like me? Um, I would say at this new university, and well, my previous one, I did because it was a mixed environment. It was very diverse, you know. There was, um, you know, people from who were international, from all sorts of kind of places around the country. And so I didn't really feel as if, oh, I was that token black person who had to speak up because there were other, you know, black people in the classroom. Um, but at Auburn, it's definitely predominantly white and it has a black percentage of 6%. So, if I'm in a classroom with, um, what, 400 students, then, what, there's like maybe 60 people in the class? Well, no, I wouldn't even say that. Maybe, what, 12 black students in the classroom? So, I feel like it's kind of going to be an uncomfortable situation, but I want to thrive through it and get to where I want to be in my career. Your mother told me you were a good chess player. You learned how to move and maneuver around with the chess pieces. Mm -hmm. Is that the same way you're going to navigate through your career? Yes. Um, with chess, I see it as a... It's a very strategic game. And you have to plan out how you want to move and how you want to conquer and also you have to defend at the same time so you have to take into account hey what is my opponent thinking do are they going to go here could they go here but then you also have to know that um take into account what can i do to throw them off or what can i do to put myself in a better position that would lead me to this victory one of the things i want to talk about is um, the diaspora in the African American medical communities. Um, one of the big things about it, uh, I noticed in this article by Jesse Mendoza, it's called How Insurance Companies Use Bad Science to Discriminate. In the article, she described how Frederick L. Hoffman, he created this formula where blacks would be seen as genetically inferior to their counterparts. And this was used to justify companies' discriminatory policies, such as like the insurance policies 
the formula was used by uh, Hoffman justifying it by saying, oh, well, the brain, internal organs, such as the brains and lungs of blacks, significantly weigh less than whites, which makes us more prone to diseases. And they used, they used this justification in order to support the insurance policies to uh, make the uh, new policy that black adults would be seen as one-third less than white counterparts. However, Hoffman's um, um, theory didn't make traction. However, it did have lasting effects upon the nation's communities. For example, discriminatory policies um, stood in place well over within the 20th century. And so in 1940, over 40% of those companies, they didn't accept black policyholders. As well as the questions that they would ask, they stemmed towards black um, related illnesses. This all stems uh, under the same umbrella of medical bias, which is where African Americans don't receive the same treatment or cultural sensitivity, sensitivity as their counterparts. And medical bias affects the tone and conversation of the communication between a doctor and its patients, whether it's from a white doctor to a black patient or a white doctor to a black patient. I mean, yes. For example, if I were to uh, have a diagnosis um, and my doctor would be telling me different types of treatments, but then at the end, the doctor would mention the cost of it. However, if a white counterpart were to get a diagnosis and talk to the doctor as well, then the doctor would just be offering different types of treatments as well as support groups. However, not even mention the cost until later on within the um, process. The topic of this concept is really large. It's broken up into segments, and this is the introductory segment, so we'll continue on to this next week.